Thanks, John. Good morning, Brookside. Good to see everybody. You know, it's uh, so neat to be a part of a church that is uh, making a difference right here in our own city, and so helping kids that are hurting. And uh, uh, so, thank you guys for all that you um, have already done, and we'll do this week. We're uh, we will we'll be praying for you and, and look forward to what God what God's going to do. I also wanted to celebrate with you this morning something that's uh, happening literally on the other side of the world. Uh, we got word from Zambia this week from Chelsea Wax, who's one of our college students who's over there doing an internship in partnership with her school. And um, she said, you know, they were presenting the gospel to this uh, group of students this week at, at, uh, at the Hope Center, this orphanage that we get to uh, be a vital part of as a church. And, uh, and all these kids that you see pictured here uh, accepted Christ for the very first time this last week. So isn't that cool? Yeah. Praise God for that. You know? You know, I share that for two reasons. One, because we, we do, we thank God for what he's doing in this place and, and literally around the world, um, but also just for you to know and for you to, uh, just to be encouraged, that's your church and uh, that's your influence on the other side of the world, Brookside, and so, um, so yeah, thanks for all you do. Um, this past week, I was, um, I was reminded, as is, as is often the case, at the, at the challenges uh, that a lot of you face throughout a given week, uh, people right here in our own church, and and as I was, I, was, I was thinking about that, I, I came across a, a verse in the Psalms that I really felt led to share with you this morning as we prepare to open up God's Word and, and then to hear from Him. And So this verse, let me share it. It's from Psalm 145, verse 8. And, and it says this. It says, The Lord is near. The Lord is near to all who call on Him, uh, to all who call on Him in truth. And it's this reminder that, that, that God is close to us, that God is close to those people that would pursue God. Um, I think we all find ourselves in places this week where we would say that the truth of God's word could be an incredible encouragement to us and, and it could direct us. And, and just that reminder alone that, that, that God is close, right? That God is not distant, that, that he is not absent, that he is near, that he's close to those who would pursue him, that those who would seek him out and and so this morning, as we open up God's word, um, let's do that very thing. Let's grab the promise of that verse even, and, and let's, let's go to the Lord and, uh, and, and the one that's close to us, the one that cares deeply about us, the one that knows, hey, this week this went well for you, or you're in a serious trial. He knows that this morning. And uh, so let's draw near to that God, and let's, uh, let's cry out to him, and let's pray, Lord, would you do something in, inside of each one of us this morning? So, so would you pray with me, and, and, uh, and then we'll jump in. Lord, I thank you this morning uh, that you are the kind of God that uh, you say things in, in your word. There are truths like that you are close to, you are near to those that call out to you. And so, Lord, we want to we act on that. We want to say, Lord, we call out to you. We cry out to you. We need you. Lord, I thank you that you're the kind of God you bring healing and strength. You bring grace to those that need it this morning. Um, I thank you for that, Lord. And Lord, we pray expectantly, Lord, we pray that you would do something as we open up your word today. We pray that, Lord, you would transform us, that you would do something in our hearts, maybe that we really long for, maybe that we don't even expect. And so would you take a moment even right now, and would you just have a simple prayer with the Lord and just say, Lord, the door to my heart, it's wide open. And Lord, I'm asking you, would you do something in me? So would you have that kind of a prayer now, even with the Lord, just on, on your own?
Lord, I thank you that you're the kind of God that you are close to those. You are near to those who call on you. And so that's why we do it. And we do it with great expectation this morning. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to be continuing in our series that's called Equations. Uh, Last weekend we were in chapter 3 and and we began a passage of scripture that's linked very closely with what we're going to talk about this morning. Uh, Then next week, Pastor Steve is going to deliver a message on marriage starting in verse 18. So I would encourage you to, to, to be here for that. But to get things rolling this morning, let me, um, let, it, let me set it up with a question. Here it is. How would you describe the life of a person that's been changed by Jesus Christ? Well, what are the things that you would say would mark that person? How would you describe a life that reflects the transformation that's happened inside the heart of someone who would say that they're a follower of Christ? Well, what is that person, would you say, what do they do? Uh, what, what would you say that, that, that would describe the kinds of things that a follower of Christ thinks about? Uh, let me put it another way. What does it look like, very practically, what does it look like to be a follower of Christ? If you've been transformed, if the gospel has grabbed your heart and that transformation has taken place, how does it play out for you on Monday? What does it look like, very practically? What, what does it look like? Now, this is really why I'm excited for this morning. This is why I'm excited to share this text with you because you're going to be able to leave this morning with some very practical, with some very clear instructions from God's word on, okay, if I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, this is what it looks like for me to live for him. And here's why this is, this is so important, because if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, what's true of you is you're the kind of person that you look around and you say, you know what, Jesus has changed me. Jesus has transformed my heart, and I want other people to experience that transformation. But in order for that to be true, what has to happen is for us to live lives that are, that are showing that we've been transformed on the inside. Now know this, you can be significantly impacted by this, this morning's text if you will allow it to be your teacher. If you'll allow this text to kind of guide you and direct you, if you'll invite it to shape and direct your actions and your thoughts. I worked masonry construction in, in high school and throughout part of college, and, and uh, I remember working for different foremen, and there was one particular foreman that I especially liked. His name was Joe. Now, Joe was like the oldest guy usually on the job site, but he was also like the toughest guy, right? Just this growly old man. And he was, a, he was a really neat guy. I really liked this guy. And here's the thing that stood out to me about him. Joe was the kind of guy, he wasn't afraid to give you instruction, now, Joe, he, he, was a, he was a guy, too, that people knew when Joe was talking. Uh, Joe was kind of known for this. He was actually mocked for it. Joe spoke with a very deep, kind of raspy voice, and it was because he smoked at least a pack of Pall Mall filterless cigarettes. It seemed like before 10 o'clock in the morning, but at least one pack a day, right? But now, here's the thing about Joe. Joe didn't say much. I love this guy. He didn't say much, but when he spoke, it was on point, And the thing that was remarkable about Joe as a leader was this. He was the kind of guy that wasn't afraid to speak truth into your life. Joe was the kind of guy he would come alongside of you and he would say, hey, you're doing a great job with that. Or he would say, you know, you need to, to, like, when you go get that stuff, you go get those bricks, you also need to bring back with you that stuff so that you'd be a little more efficient. He was helpful, right? He wasn't afraid to give you feedback. What I appreciated about Joe was this. He was a good coach. Joe, he had the mindset, I want to help my employees, I want to help the people on the crew be the best that they possibly can, and so Joe wasn't afraid to give you feedback. He wasn't afraid to be a coach. 
from our text today, we're going to get some coaching from the Apostle Paul. We're going to get some instruction. Very practically, what does it look like? What are the things that are a part of a maturing follower of Jesus Christ's life? And this is why this is so important. Again, if you've been transformed by Jesus, if the message of the gospel has transformed you, you look around and you go, I want other people to experience this transformation. And so for this morning, we're going to go, we're going to look at God's word and we're going to say, okay, I need to live out a transformed life. What does that look like? You know, as we've been going through this series, we've been writing out different equations, different equations that really drive home the main point of the morning. Today we're going to go back to an equation that we laid out as one that's really over the whole series. So let, let me write this out for you. Here it is. This is our equation for, this, for the morning. Jesus leads to, you remember these symbols? Delta, a change in the sum total of life. Jesus leads to a change in the sum total of life. And this morning, we're even going to go a little further. We're going to break the life down into this, into our thoughts and into our actions. Jesus leads to a change in the sum total of life, but specifically from Colossians chapter 3 this morning, we're going to see Paul's going to really drive home what are our thoughts about, what are our actions. He's going to hit that home. Now, you might be thinking this morning, Wow, this would have been a great weekend for us to go to the lake. I mean, this would have been a great weekend to go see Grandma because it sounds like you're going to give me a to-do. It sounds like you're going to maybe list off things that I'm not doing very well or that I should start doing. Sounds like I might get a laundry list. It sounds like I might get a list of things that I might feel like they're burdensome duties, things that I feel like I need to do, and if I do them, then somehow God will be happier with me. If that's how we approach this text, know this, we'd be really missing it. And even worse than that, we'd be signing up for a kind of religious activity that Jesus himself, he wanted nothing to do with. So much so that Jesus, it was repulsive to him. Uh, we see a glimpse of this in Matthew chapter 23. Jesus is interacting with this group of men and they're, they're very religious. They're acting religious, that is, but they're doing it out of complete wrong motivation. So Jesus uh, very frankly says to them, woe to you, like warning to you, strong warning to you, you teachers of the law and you Pharisees. He calls them hypocrites. And then he goes on, he kind of beats them up a little bit. And then, then he says, hey, first, he gets to the point, first, you need to clean the, you need to clean the inside of the cup and the ditch, dish, and then the outside will be clean also. The bottom line that Jesus was communicating to these men was, check your heart. Oh, what Jesus did with them is he went straight to the core. To Jesus, it was empty religion to do religious things for wrong reasons. And so Jesus drives straight to motivation. I was talking to Tim Wiebe this week about the text for today. And, you know, he made an important statement. He said this. He said, if we miss what Paul is unpacking in the early verses of this chapter, We'll mistakenly see the do's and the don'ts that we find in the text throughout the rest of the chapter. We'll see them as drudgery rather than them coming as a glad overflow, as a natural response to what Christ has already done on our behalf. So here's where we're going to go this morning. Uh, first, we're going to go back. We're going to look at two key statements in the first verses in chapter 3. Those first verses in chapter 3, if you remember, if you were here last week, they give us a basis. They give us a, a reason how, and they give us a reason why we should apply it, the text, the rest of, of the verses that are laid out in chapter 3. 
And then after we see that foundation, after that becomes clear, we're going to look at the application that Paul lays out in the rest of those verses, verses 9 all the way through 17 today. And so first, look with me at the opening statement in in verse 1. We'll put these verses on the screen as well. Verse 1, Paul writes, Colossians 3, Since you have been raised with Christ... Now, now here's the first piece of, of important foundational information. Here it is. Note that Paul is making a very important assumption. Uh, Paul is coming right out of the chute and, and he's saying something that we can't gloss over. Paul is speaking directly into the lives of believers in Christ. He's speaking to people. He's making the assumption. You've been transformed by Jesus. Jesus Christ, what he's done in your life, it, is, it has changed you. And, and this is why this is so important that we, that we have to go back to this before we move on to our verses for today. This is why this is so important. Because some of you might be here today and you might be on a spiritual journey. You might be checking the claims of Christ out and, and I would commend you for that. That's the most important uh, pursuit and journey you could possibly figure out. And here's why. If the message of the scriptures, if the message of the scriptures is is true, if what Jesus said is true, eternity is in the balance. And so I commend you. Your journey is so important. Secondly, I mention it because of this. Know that it would be a huge mistake if you approach today's text, those verses 5 through 17 that we'll look at, and if somehow you thought in your mind, okay, if I do those things, then God will do this for me. If I do this, then I'll attain favor with God. That would be a huge mistake. There was a time when I believed personally that the scales, in a sense, at the end of, the life, at the end of life, they just needed to be evened out. That Saturday night could be canceled by Sunday morning. You know what I mean? And in the end, you just tried to get the scales evened out. That my good deeds just needed to, to outweigh my bad deeds at the end of the day. That's the performance plan. That's the plan that you just go, you know what, if I can just perform, then I'll... I'll win favor with God. Know that the message of the scriptures, and this is coming straight from Colossians chapter 1, the message of the Bible is that peace with God, regardless of your track record, you might think, well, I've got that in my past, and if only you knew, pastor, then you would say it's not for me. No, no, no. Regardless of your track record, peace with God comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 1, I'd encourage you, go back and read it. It says that we are reconciled, we are brought back to God through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. It's huge. Now knowing that foundation, with that that going in, we can now have a correct understanding and now we can correctly apply the rest of this text. But that's a crucial foundation that we've got to come in with. Look at me at verse 3. Paul says it in a different way, really. But again, he's making that point. Paul is stressing, hey, here's who you are, and I'm telling you who you are before he's going to ask us to do anything. He wants us to understand. He wants it to flow out of who we are. Verse 3, he says, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. I mean, that's the foundation. Since you are in Christ, since your life has been hidden in Christ, he's saying, that's who you are, and now that you know who you are, Paul's going to say, okay, here, I'm going to coach you a little bit. I'm not going to be afraid to say, okay, this would be helpful for you. You want to be impactful? Do these things. Since, in a sense, you've been changed by Jesus Christ, since Jesus has captivated your heart, and if you, you go back and you read through Colossians, I mean, there are verses all over the place that you just go, whoa. That's captivating. Jesus, I can't believe who you are. It causes me to want to worship you. 
Paul's saying, as a result of who you are in Christ, as a result of the transformation that's taken place in you, he's saying, this now is how you should live. We'll see in the rest of this passage that Paul answers the question very practically. What does it look like to be a maturing follower of Christ? How does who you are, and remember this, it all goes back to this. How does who you are in Christ, in Jesus Christ, how does that impact your thoughts? How does that impact your actions? But remember, it all flows from this, who are you in Christ? That's why he spends time right off the bat unpacking that. You know, last Sunday, we looked very closely at verses 5 through 8. And, and in those verses, Paul gives us instruction on things that we're supposed to like put off. Very strongly his language came across. He said, verse 5, put to death, murder is what it means, put to death whatever belongs to the earthly nature. And then Paul laid out different idols, different things that, that we can relate to, that we can say, okay, yeah, that gets in the way of my affection for God. That even frustrates me. That keeps coming up. And we talked about what are the things that compete for our affections for God. And then last week, people came forward at the end of the service, and we just, we fill up these boards. That's, that's church last Sunday right there. And people wrote things like this. Jesus, you are greater than, we just, we laid out our own equation. Jesus, you are greater than, one guy wrote, my anger. Another person wrote, Jesus, you are greater than my insecurity. Jesus, you are greater than my plan for my life. Jesus, you are greater than my comfort. And, and very symbolically, as Paul's instructing us in the text, what we were saying was this. We went to the board and we said, almost in an act of, okay, now we turn away from the board. We're saying, we repent of those things. And we're saying, okay, that was once, those had a grip on us. They continually maybe creep up and have a grip on us. But we're saying, Lord, we want to be done with that. We want to put to death those things, as Paul would instruct us. Now let's pick up now in, in verse 9. I want you to see the imagery that Paul gives us. He drives the point home with this. Look at me at verse 9. He says, Do not lie to each other, uh, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on a new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Now the idea that he's communicating, this is interesting, is that there was an old you and now uh, there's a new you. Uh, you could say to yourself, okay, the old you, and you fill in your name, the old me would do this. The old Jeff would maybe fly off the handle in that circumstance. But the new, the new Jeff probably wouldn't do that. The old you might cut a corner at work, but the new you, you won't, even if it costs you. Uh, the old you might do this, but the new you is completely different. You see, you see what he's doing. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, I, I think says it so well. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, the old is gone, all that stuff. The old is gone. He's saying, that's your old self, but the new, the new has come. And now very powerfully, as we look forward, Paul in verses 12 through 17, he's going to lay out, okay, these are the thoughts. These are the actions of the new self. This is what it looks like. You, that, that's the old you. This is the new you. Now, these are the thoughts. These are the actions that will describe you out of an overflow of who you are in Christ. Look at me at verse 12. He writes, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and, and dearly loved, uh, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. 
Now notice where, where Paul goes right back to. Right off the bat, he, he goes back to our standing before God. He says that you are a chosen people. And then, and I think this is interesting, he, he gives us this instruction, but before he does so, he says, hey, I want you to understand and I want you to hear again the affection of God for you. And he calls you, he says, you're holy, you're, you're dearly loved. He wants his readers to know, he wants you to know today, you are a people that are dearly loved by God. God is not distant from you. God created you. He knows your name. He knows your ups. He knows your downs. He's not at all distant. He, he, he knows you. You are holy. You are, he says, dearly loved. And now with that kind of overwhelming reality, you are a chosen people. You are holy and dearly loved. Now he's going to bring in the instruction. Here it is. He says, clothe yourselves. Now this is an action verb. Other translations, they put it like this. I want you to... I want you to actively put on, he's saying. Now know that living as Paul is going to describe here, it doesn't happen on accident. I don't know about you, but I just don't naturally drift to godliness. I naturally drift away from it. But Paul, he's going to lay this out, and you're going to know it's going to take some effort. It, it, it's going to take some coaching on your part to remind yourself, who are you in Christ? And as a result, then, of who you are in Christ, what does your life look like? What is the overflow of you? You're going to seek to be this kind of person. Why? Because you've been transformed by Jesus Christ himself. D.A. Carson, a, a great thinker and scholar of our, our time, he he refers to this as grace-driven effort, meaning effort that's flowing from the grace of God. It's flowing from my position in Christ. Very visually, Paul writes, he writes, clothe yourselves. He's saying, I want you to put on these actions. My kids, they love um, putting on different costumes that we have. You know, they have a box of Halloween costumes and other things that they've accumulated. And, and they just, they love to get dressed up. There are times when I get home and, and it's not like I even have kids. I have Power Rangers, right? And they, they, they have these bulging muscles, you know, and, and there's three, you know, we have three little kids. And so it's like, I don't even have kids. I just have these action figures that are showing up. Now, not too long ago, my daughter, Ashlyn, our middle child, she's four, she came out of her room and she was wearing, she was wearing this. Now, I thought to myself, yeah, that's really cute, a little too cute, actually, and so why don't you go back to your room for like 25 years, because that looks like a wedding dress to me, right? Not like a princess dress. But here's the deal. When my kids get dressed up, they look different. The Apostle Paul, what he's doing is he's pushing us. He's saying, when you've been transformed by Christ, he's saying, I want you to put on these things. He's saying, I want you to be different. I want you to clothe yourselves in these things. Why? Because you've been overwhelmed by the love of God. And so he writes, clothe yourselves with compassion. It means that you're quick to extend mercy to people. He says, clothe yourselves with kindness. Might people say to you, wow, he's a kind person. There's something different about him. Uh, she's kind. There, there, there's, wow, I noticed that she, she acts different towards people. She's nice. He says, clothe yourselves with humility. I love this definition of humility. A humble person doesn't think less of themselves. They simply think of themselves less. He writes, clothe yourselves. I want you to put on gentleness and patience. It's like Paul's describing the kind of person, right, that you just want to be around. 
It's the kind of father that you long to have. It's the kind of husband that you long to be. The kind of mom you want to be. It's the kind of boss that you want to have at work. It's the kind of co-workers you want to be around. And then verse 13, Paul continues to address our actions and he lays out a pretty, pretty tough one, pretty sticky. He writes this, bear with each other like in the good and the bad. You know how relationships are, they get messy. He says, I want you to bear with each other. I want you to bear with each other through that and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. And then here's the kicker. And then he writes, forgive as the Lord forgave you. The Lord forgave us, right, when we didn't deserve to be forgiven. Paul's saying, I want you to forgive that way. The Lord forgave us when we couldn't repay him. Paul's saying, that's your model for forgiveness. The Lord forgives us, get this, when he knew we would sin yet again. He did it. Paul is, he's pushing us. He's saying, hey, I want you to be the kind of people that you are so quick to extend grace. You're so quick to extend forgiveness that other people wonder, why do you do so? When you think about how the Lord forgives, four words come to my mind. It's over the top. It's beyond comprehension. And what Paul is saying is that's how I want you to, I want you to forgive in such a way that people just go, well, I can't believe that they just forgave. But what we're doing is we're saying, oh, we want to forgive how? Like the Lord forgave us. Huge calling. Look at verse 14. He goes on to describe this last overarching action really that influences everything he writes and over all of these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity and verse 15 let the peace of Christ let it rule in your heart since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful he ends it by saying that and then the word there in the original language that communicates this idea of let the peace of Christ let it rule in your hearts it's, it's as though the text is saying, let, it, let the peace of Christ be an umpire over your heart. It's as though Christ gets the last word. It's like saying, Christ, you have an executive order over the matters of my heart. Take, for example, immorality. It's like saying, okay, the peace of Christ, the peace of Christ acts as an umpire. It directs me, it directs my life, and my union with Christ it compels me. My union with Christ leads me to purity. You know, I've seen some of you make some very difficult yet very God-honoring decisions in the workplace. Decisions where integrity was on the line and you needed to choose. I do it the way they want me to do it or I do what I know is right. I cut the deal the way that the, the company will win or I do the right thing. And what I've been amazed by and what I've been so encouraged by is many of you have said things like this. In the midst of those situations, oftentimes when you don't know how what, what's going to provide next when your job is really on the line? And you said, I made that decision, I did the right thing, and then you'll say things like this, and I just feel peace about it. I just feel God's approval. I just feel like I did the right thing. That's the peace of Christ. That's the peace of Christ directing you, guiding you, giving you confidence to do the right thing. That's the peace of Christ directing you, ruling in your heart. Verse 16, he goes on, and again, don't see these things as, okay, this is a list of to-dos, but again, this is an overflow out of what? Out of our standing with Jesus Christ. We would long to do these things because of who we are in Christ. Verse 16, he writes, let the message of Christ, 
Let it dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit and singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. He says, let the message of Christ, let it dwell in you richly. To dwell in you richly means this. It means literally to live in you, to be at home inside of you, meaning that the scriptures, they've taken over. So that when you're going through life and, and you're faced with a, you know, a, a situation that really could put you in a funk for about a week, all of a sudden you say, you know what, here's who I am in Christ. And the words of the scriptures, they direct how you feel even. They direct how you act. They direct the decisions that you make. He's writing and he's saying, let the message of Christ, oh, let it dwell in you richly. And then look with me at that last verse, verse 17. And this is really, this is a banner verse. He writes, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is life verse material, isn't it? I'd encourage you to memorize this. Paul leaves absolutely nothing out. He's saying, whatever you do, whether it's a word that you speak or whether it's an action that you do, he's saying, I want you to do it all, everything. Have a motivation that's to the glory of God, to the honor of Jesus Christ. Psalm 115 verse 1 says, not to us, meaning this life, it's not about me. It's, it's a proclamation of that. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and because of your faithfulness. It's this idea of wherever I am, whether I'm at home or I'm at the pool or I'm at, I'm at work or I'm at camp or wherever I am, wherever I find myself. That, that my actions that I say, okay, the things that I say, the things that I do, I want them to all be for the glory of God. You know, because of Jesus, because of the transformation that's taken place in us, there's a change, isn't there? Uh, there's a change in our thoughts. There's a change in our actions. I mean, might we be the kind of people that we're not just a neighbor, but we're a neighbor that's different? Might we be the kind of people that we're not just a coworker, but there's something special about us, the way we treat people, the way that we pray, that we, we come in prayed up, the, the things that we do. May we not, might not be just a, another person in the family, but, but might it be said of us, you know, my dad, my dad must really love the Lord because I can tell the Lord is like impacting the decisions that he makes for our family. The way that he loves my mom, it, it's amazing. It's because he's He's dedicated to the Lord. He's doing everything to the glory of God. Might we be that kind of person? Might it be said of you, she, she's the kind of person, I, I can tell she's doing things to the glory, to the honor of God. I mean, just imagine for me, if we applied these texts as parents, imagine if we applied these texts as community leaders. Imagine if we applied these as workers, as friends, as, as people that other people will look to and they'll say, I need some hope in my life. Can you help me? Imagine the impact for those that will look to us and they will say, I'm on a spiritual journey. Can you point me to Christ? Imagine the impact. You know, you may be here today and you would say, you've been walking with Christ for years. And, and you hear this list of things that Paul kind of lays out. And, and to you, they're not a laundry list, honestly. You look at them and you go, I truly want my life to be like that. I, I want to be compassionate. I want humility to drive me. I, I want to be kind. I want to be gentle. I want to have patience in the most important relationships in my life. And even when I'm just driving out on the street, I don't, 
I want to act like the new self. You know, I would encourage you this morning. I think the most motivating thing, I think the way for us to see the most progress by the grace of God is for us to do two things. One, it's to remember how Jesus demonstrated these things in the scriptures. But number two, it's also to remember how Jesus has demonstrated these things directly to each one of us. For example, compassion. I mean, Matthew chapter, or Mark chapter 6, Jesus is totally spent. John the Baptist has just been beheaded. I mean, very close to him. Jesus is at the end of his rope physically. You can just imagine. He tries to escape to a quiet place, and it's not happening. Then he sees this huge crowd of people, and it says to him, in the midst of that, in the midst of tough circumstances, it says that he has compassion on these people. Luke chapter 19, Jesus approaches the city of Jerusalem, and he looks out over the city, and, and he sees their spiritual condition, and it says that Jesus, compassion again, it says that he wept over the spiritual condition of these people. He wept over them. Think about this. Think of the compassion that he showed you. He, he died for you. Think about humility. How does Jesus demonstrate that? The King of kings, the Lord of lords, what does he do? Philippians 2, Jesus takes on the form of a man and, and he's a servant. There's no task that is too small for Jesus. Let that encourage you. Think about his patience. I mean, I have run from God with my life. There are areas where still today I still run. But know this, and I would think the same is true of you. Know this, Jesus is patient with you. And Jesus doesn't give up on you. When we realize who Christ is, and then when we realize who we are in Christ, we let that motivate us, right? We say, okay, if I'm in Christ, and we say, if, okay, if Christ does these things, and I watch him, oh Lord, out of the overflow, out of my heart, Lord, would you allow it to compel me to put on these things, to clothe myself. Imagine the difference that this could make. Oh my God, help us this morning be the types of people because of who we are in Christ that our thoughts and that our actions would flow and as an overflow, as of heart's desire, we would say, that's who I want to be by the grace of God. And so let's do this. Let's pray to that end this morning. So yeah, would you pray with me? Lord, we just want to ask you this morning, and um, we just want to say, Lord, we desperately need you. Lord, we want to be the kind of people that we are compassionate, we're, we're humble, that kindness, gentleness, patience, that the word of Christ, that it dwells in us richly. And, and so, Lord, we would ask you this morning, would you help us? Um, Lord, we pray that our lives would have such impact. We pray that when people look at us, Lord, there would be something different. And Lord, the only way that happens is when we run to you, when we realize who we are in Christ. And so this morning, remind us of that, we pray. God, do great things, we pray, through your church and through your people. We thank you for your word, and we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Great. Hey, let's stand.